about gratitude. And so last week was honor, and I'm very honored to be able to communicate to you guys today. Now, um, I'm really uh, interested here because I do not have the correct uh, slideshow playing right here. And so if I can get someone in the back, this is last week's uh, lesson, which is really interesting. So I'm going to continue to share with you guys as the AV tries to replace this uh, slideshow with a different one and tell you about my life with my wife. First of all, I'm a very unlikely candidate to be talking to you about this concept of purity. Uh, my wife and I, we became Christians about 14 years ago, but at that time, we didn't even know each other. I became a Christian in college at 20 years old. And at the time, I was living a lifestyle of, of just sexual impurity. I was very sexually active from 15 to 20 years old. And this concept of purity that we're talking about today is a concept that regard, in regard to the term abstinence that we might use in the world. Abstinence is when someone doesn't, is not sexually active. But when I became a Christian and I studied the Bible to become a, a Christian when I was 20, because I was sexually active, basically the guy who studied the Bible with me, all he needed to do was summarize the Bible with one note card. That's no, no, no. And then when that one didn't work, he got another, he said, stop. Stop doing it. Stop doing all of that. All of it. Stop it. And so that was kind of the way when I studied the Bible and became a Christian that I saw Christianity was this concept of just stop doing what you're doing. Stop having fun. Stop enjoying yourself. And uh, so it, it really was hard for me when I became a Christian. I come from a kind of a very dark background. And I'm very, very grateful this morning to have the privilege to speak about purity. Um, you know, Thank you for the singers. Like that, that song had me at the end. I was, um, you know, bawling just because in my nature, I am not a pure person. And I struggled with purity not only before being a disciple, but as a Christian, in my young years as a Christian, that was something that, um, you know, really took me out. And if you would have told me mm, 10 plus years ago that I would be sharing about purity, I would have been like, no, you know, you got the wrong person. But I think I'm so grateful to God that he has taught me through the years and he has refined me and he has purified me. And I can be, you know, before you this morning sharing, not because I'm an expert or because I'm, you know, so pure in my nature, but because God has purified my heart and purified me as a woman. So, um... God does make beautiful things, you know, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And so uh, today as we communicate with you, uh, some of you in here might be obsessive about some things, and, and, or some people in here might legitimately have OCD. Uh, I, you probably don't want to raise your hand if you actually have OCD. I've lived with people that have it. And so it's a very real disorder, but we can be obsessive <laughs> about some things. And the things that we can tend to be obsessive about for my wife and I my wife and I are, that we're obsessive about uh, our food and water. Yeah, basically, Chris, those Tommy on the campus people, you guys know him. If you come to our house, it'd be like, do you want a drink of the best, most pure water in the whole world? Because he has gone to, uh, uh, you know, an extent of, you know, just research and doing whatever he needs to do to get the filter that takes out the art and what else, babe? There's like Arsenic, four, heavy metals. Like five different things. So, you know. Fertilizers. Yeah. So finally <laughs> we have that one. And, you know, he is very proud of our water. And, yeah, he's, he would not, like, we go on, on trips 
and we have this big thing, like, actually, I have it somewhere back there, because this is water from my house, basically. I don't, <laughs> that's all we drink, yeah. <laughs> basically, everywhere we go, we need to bring water with us, because I need to make sure that we're drinking the purest water, because I do not yeah. want to contaminate our bodies with these heavy metals. And, um, you know, we're also very, very, we can be very obsessive about what we eat. And when I find an ingredient in something, I'm like, and it's bad, and I think this is toxic, I'm like, no, we cannot eat this anymore. We're never eating this again. And so although I, of the two of us, am a little bit more obsessive and, and obsessive compulsive about what we eat and what we drink, I know that both of us have convictions about that. And I know that you, whether or not you're like me in that, maybe you're like, wow, that, that guy's over the top, he's super deep. I know that if there's some water that was uh, infected with feces or, you know, that you felt like was clearly contaminated, you probably wouldn't want to drink it. You know, when you go to foreign countries, you don't drink straight out of the, the, the tap, okay, because you're going to get sick. You might get amoebas, bacterias, and it's just, you know, you're going to get sick. You don't want to suffer because of drinking contaminated water. And the same thing with what you eat. You wouldn't eat something that you know is clearly bad for you. And so here's a picture of my wife and I today, okay? And so this was just this, uh, this last uh, Halloween, just before Halloween, and we went out to the pumpkin patch, and that's uh, Grace, Micah, and Kylie. Grace and Kylie are twins, and so our friends Mike and Lucy Watscott, they, they took this picture of us, and we ran into them at the pumpkin patch. But this was us um, in 2004. That was actually September 4th, 2004, when I asked her to be my girlfriend, and I asked her to be my princess. I made that little crown of, fla- of, of leaves for her head. This was in Hawaii during the sunrise, and uh, we went on a little double date in the morning. So we went with another couple, went out, and, and I read her a scripture and asked her to be my princess. Yeah, back then I just was, you know, pretending I was like the outdoorsy kind, waking up at 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I do all that. So, you know, we go on this hike, and it meant that I went on the hike, but yeah. So. <laughs> and then we practiced a lifestyle of abstinence like we talked about. Like we were not active sexually in any way. We didn't make out. We didn't kiss. And then this is when we got married on the, the shore of El Salvador in 2005. <laughs> Baby, six. <laughs> six, 2006. 2006, my bad, 2006. <laughs> Baby, I love you so much. Would you marry me again all over? <laughs> I love you. I want a new ring, actually, just because of this whole thing. <laughs> okay. So we, we lived a lifestyle of purity. We ended up getting married. And so as you can imagine, after we were married, the first 10 minutes was just like a makeout session for 10 minutes after we got married. What, it's a, it's a real, you know what I mean? We like practice absence. That was what we ended up doing. But we're very obsessive about certain things in our lives. So physically, we'll be obsessive about not drinking things, not eating things. But when it comes to spiritually, are we obsessive as obsessive about what contaminates us spiritually as we are physically. And our life that we live today, the, the, who we are getting married to who we are today, it's only as a result of these concepts of purity that Jesus has presented to us. And so if you're in here today and you're a guest and you're like, wow, I don't share your view on the resurrection or on, on this concept of purity, but this concept of purity and practicing abstinence, even to a higher degree of abstinence, of just even controlling our bodies and our minds, we want to be obsessive about this concept of purity, just like we are obsessive about what we would put into our mouths and how we, we use our hand sanitizers. And so not only just a physical contamination that we want to be careful of, but we want to communicate to you today 
that we're not as serious about this spiritual contamination, whether you've been a Christian here for 15 years or you're here for the first time, we really need to step up our game when it comes to how serious we are about this spiritual contamination because just like our physical contamination leads to death or pain, so does spiritual contamination, emotional contamination. It destroys relationships. And there's people in this room today that might be considering not coming back to church. There's people in here today that are suffering because of divorce, because maybe their parents were divorced, maybe they're, they're, they're in a relationship that's failing. There's people in here today that are involved in relationships that are not practicing this concept of purity, that they're in immoral or impure relationships, and these relationships are causing pain in their lives, in their most intimate relationship. So what I want to tell you about purity today is that contamination kills. And if you don't remember anything else, as we talk about this concept of purity, as it relates to our own personal purity and our relationship with other people, is that contamination kills, impurity kills. It's a very private, very personal thing that we're talking about today. Vivi and I are, we're very nervous talking to you because we come from very impure backgrounds. And now we're gonna talk about this subject that's very private, very personal. But this very private and very personal thing is something that really affects our relationships with our, the most intimate people in our lives. It's so important that you understand what we're talking about today for the sake of your current relationships, but not only for the sake of that, is this might be the one thing that can keep you away from God because it's the reason that most people leave their faith, okay? So you might think like, well, I don't know about the resurrection or, or you know, that biblical author, I don't know what they meant there. You know, there's all these problems revolving around faith. But in reality, a lot of them are just a smokescreen. And the problem is, is really about their impurity. It's about their, their self-control. It's about, you know, when I look at these relationships that people have, it's, it's just dangerous. It's mm -hmm. dangerous to mess around with these impurities. Um, personally, um, you know, I want to share about this because my convictions on purity were not where I needed to be. I feel like my background was so, um, you know, impure. I had... I got my, my um, security from my relationship with men in the world, and when I became a Christian, you know, I really wanted to do things, you know, the right way. I really wanted to be my best for God, but I did not have strong convictions about it. So little by little, I feel like I started slipping back into my old ways and, you know, getting that um, security from men and not being um, just very hard line about things that would keep me pure, and um, one of the things in, in the world is that I was always unfaithful in my relationships. I would always, you know, be dating two guys at the time because I felt like, oh, well, you know, he kind of fits this in my life, and he kind of fits this in my life, but I would never, I, I, w I didn't know how to be faithful to someone, and the way, if you would see me, you know, the way that I dress, the way that I approached men was a very impure, very selfish, and as I became a Christian, you know, because I didn't have strong convictions, I started slipping, and I left the church for a year. I was involved in an immoral relationship with, um, you know, a brother at the time, and uh, I can see how little by little, you know, you start letting go of things, you start 
being loose in, in convictions. And I know that sometimes when you're young, you feel like, you know, at the church, they're just telling me to do this and, you know, all these guidelines and all these regulations and all that. And at the time, I felt that. And now looking back, I see that God was really trying to protect me. God wanted to protect my heart and my relationship with him. And not only my physical purity, but my purity of the, of the heart, my spiritual purity. And, um, you know, but amen, I'm very grateful that, you know, my heart was soft enough that I came back after a year, but it was a horrible year. A year away from God, a year without peace, a year that I would be driving and feeling like, wow, if I die right now, I'm not making it to heaven because the Bible is very clear about, you know, you know, uh, guard your salvation, work your salvation with free and trembling. And I just, I'm grateful that God brought me back, but I don't, you know, desire anyone to go through that. And that's what we're speaking today because it's so, so, so crucial that we get this concept, how important purity is in our heart and, you know, outwardly. And so we want to look at a couple scriptures, and we want to bring you guys with us on a journey to and talk about this. And the first person that we want to look at is John the Baptist. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with John the Baptist, he was Jesus' cousin, and he ends up baptizing Jesus. But after he baptizes Jesus, Jesus goes and starts his ministry, and then Jesus is baptizing a bunch of people. And then these religious people come up to John the Baptist and they start being like, hey, what about that Jesus over there? He's baptizing more than you. And then basically this uh, dispute or he kind of gets in this conversation with these guys. And look what John the Baptist says in John chapter three. He says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Because they were asking him if he was the Messiah, you know, because Jesus claims were that Jesus was the Messiah. So he was, they're kind of getting a little argument there. He's like, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one God promised about. But check this out. It talks about Jesus. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. John the Baptist is referring about his relationship with Jesus. And here, this can be an awkward moment for those of us who are guys in the room and we've been Christians for a while. And maybe you didn't get this yet, if this is the first time you've understood this, is that basically what he's talking about is the church or we as individuals following Jesus, we're the bride and Jesus is the groom. So this can become an awkward, kind of odd like thing for us to understand, but it's a physical realization or physical illustration of the reality that exists between our relationship with Christ. Now, God is not like us, but we tend to, because we're human, think of God as like a male or something like that. Like we, we put gender on God, but in reality, we, he's not like us. He's not like a six foot two male that, you know, you know, has gender or something like that. So when we think of bride and groom, that could be an awkward moment, but it is a real incredible analogy to show us our relationship with God in the way that needs to be, that we are the bride and he is the groom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the, the question says, what does the bride do? For all you sisters that are married, um, I remember when we were getting married, there was so much detail and so much preparation that took place before the, you know, the big day. And it was 
beautiful. It was, I, I would think about it all the time. Um, you know, you want everything to go perfect. Um, also, you want to, the quality of your relationship, like I would be like, you know, God prepare me. Like I want to be the best wife I need to be for Chris. I want to be able to, you know, be a suitable helper for him. So there's all these things that you feel and that go, um, you know, in your mind and in your heart when you're preparing for this amazing day. And um, there's a picture there um, when we got married. But, um, you know, like it says there, just enjoying their relationship and then uh, loyal and faithful to the groom. I remember, like I shared before, it was very scary for me getting married because I'm like, I've never been faithful to anyone. So how am I going to be able to be faithful to Chris? And, you know, I got a lot of help and, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and um, I can proudly and, you know, very gratefully say that we've been married and I've been completely faithful to my husband. But that is not something that I would have done I think it's just so important to see like all the things that we do as women to prepare and then now what about our relationship with God? You know, how, how much do I plan on my relationship with God? How much do I prepare for that big day, for, you know, being close to Him? How much do I enjoy my relationship with God? You know, when I have those special times, do I, how much do I pour out of my heart to God? How much am I loyal to God every day, you know, with, with my life, with the way that I, I uh, talk to people, with the way that I am with people, with my husband? And it was very convicting for me as we were doing this class because it's very, the contrast is very, you know, clear that when it came to my wedding, I was just so busy and so happy. And with my relationship with God, because we don't see God, I think that we can be more passive. And um, I, I was very convicted. I'm like, you know, I, I need to grow a lot in this area too. Yeah, and you know, this was, because this illustration that we are the bride and he is the groom, I felt like it was a lot more appropriate for Vivi to share about it. That's why she's up here. That's why she's here to share, you know, hey, from a bride's perspective, this is what a bride goes through when they get married. And then when they, when, you know, they're radiant, they're like, you know, she's like the most beautiful bride ever there. She's like, she did so much planning, so much preparation, so much expectation to have that relationship with the groom who she enjoyed. To stop your mic from doing that, can you sit here for me? Sure. Thank you. Sorry about that. Just a little technical difficulty. Um, so, and for me, the day that, you know, we got married, I went surfing in the morning. That's what I was doing on the morning of our wedding. I went surfing. I was preparing emotionally out that I'm going to, yeah, get married later. So I had to go focus. Yes. So, but over time, we actually uh, become more alike as, you know, we're, we're very different people. But over time, and even today, we're, we're, we're very different individuals. We, we complement each other with our differences. But over time, what happens is that I really start to like the things that she likes. And I start to dislike the things that she dislikes. If I'm watching a show and I'm like, I love this action adventure, like, you know, thriller thing that uh, it's awesome. And she's like falling asleep watching it. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to watch it anymore. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't interest me because what interests me is our relationship more than the show. So it ends up where I end up liking more like romantic comedies and stuff like that, right? Amen. Just be honest. 
But there's other things that I become more like her in, not only is the things that we like and dislike, is also uh, the way I talk to babies. And I'm like, hola papa, chicho, 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 chicho. And like, I like literally just got that from imitating her. And so I imitate her and, and the way I talk to children. Cause I never would have known how to talk to babies and my children if it weren't for my wife. So we become alike over time. I think it's so funny. One of the things that I feel like I've become more like Chris. Okay, I grew up in El Salvador. My parents, you know, were very proper people. So I grew up saying, uh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, very, I will never say dude to anyone. And I'm like, no, dude, what, you know? And I'm like, okay, that, you know, you know my mom would probably like uh, have a heart attack. But, you know, just my lingo or like legit and stuff like that. You know, just things that, that I think like I've become more like Chris. And also in my love of sports, you know, I, not, I'm not saying that I love sports. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I watch them and I watch him play, let's say that. But I feel like a little, little by little, um, you know, as we have been married for seven, over seven years, we do things or, we, or we're just sometimes talking and, you know, he says something. I'm like, I was just thinking that. And we will say, yeah, great mind things alike. But, you know, it's just one of those things that we finish each other's sentences sometimes. And I know that there's people in the, in the audience that have been married longer. I see the mosses there. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you probably like become more and more alike. And... Again, the convicting thing for me, applying it spiritually, is am I becoming more and more like Christ, like my husband? You know, the more time that I've been a disciple, will people see me and see the qualities of Christ in me? Am I more gentle? Am I more loving? Am I more submissive? Am I more, uh, you know, pure? And um, sadly, a lot of times, when we, the longer we become disciples, the longer we are disciples, the more comfortable we become. And we are just, you know, we, we kind of go back to, we slip back to our way of old ways of being. And we're just, you know, we're there, we come to church, we listen, but we're not really exemplifying Christ to others. We're not showing people that we're more like our, our groom. And that really, for me, I was like, wow, like, I need to be more aware. Like, am I showing people with the way that I talk to them? And not only people at church, because it's easier, you know, when we're here with each other at church. I'm not saying it's super, super easy, but it's easier. But outside, when nobody really knows us, are we being Christ to people? And so the thing that we could become more like is we could become more like the world, more like the common culture that is around us. Can I have someone control my slideshow and go to the next slide, please? And so we are gonna become more like something. And so the question is, what are you becoming more like? Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter one, so you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Here, Peter presents us with a concept with, we have a gravitational pull. Gravity pulls us downward. So in other words, there's a, uh, there's a force at work. And our, the force that's pulling at us is we have a gravitational pull to slip back into our old ways, into our old selves. If I were to practice my old ways of doing things, I would have a much different outcome of my way of life. The way that I lived 
before someone came to me and said, no, no, until someone came and, said, and pointed it out and said, this is what the gospel said or what I thought the gospel said at that time. If I hadn't been guided by these principles of how to live, then I will slip back naturally into my old ways of functioning and my old ways of doing things. Can I go to the next slide, please? So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So here it tells us that we need to be holy in everything, in everything. Can I go to the next slide, please? In all things, we need to be holy in all things. Do you wanna share about that? Okay, next slide, please. So in everything we do, we need to be holy. What ends up happening is you can be a circumstantial Christian that, you know, when you come to church here, you look religious, you're like, you know, looking like you play the part, or when you're around certain people, you act a certain way. But Peter tells us we need to be holy in all things, in all aspects, in our minds, in the way that we act, in how we function. When you're at school, you need to be holy in all that you do, not just in some things. And this doesn't just apply to our teenagers who are engulfed in a worldly culture that does not emphasize this concept of purity or abstinence, that that's just a joke to so many people. But just even in our relationships that we have, when you go to work, are you the same person when you go to work that you are when you're around your wife? Are you the same person when you're browsing the internet by yourself as you were if Peter Garcia, our lead evangelist, was looking over your shoulder? In all things, we need to learn to be holy. So there's a concept that says, basically Sir Francis Bacon said that if you wanna experience results that you've never experienced before, you have to be willing to implement or employ new and different methods. And if you don't employ those new and different methods, you're gonna continue to get the same outcome. That you're crazy if you believe that you're gonna do the same thing over and over again, but you're gonna get a different outcome. I love this concept. I use it in so many different ways, but it applies here and we try to teach it to our college students who in college, it's like, we're teaching this thing that's just so different and so radical. So here, here it is. It says, if you want a relationship like all the other relationships, okay, meaning if you want a relationship and a marriage like all the other statistical marriages that we see in our society today, the ones on your block, if you were to measure it, you're like, there's so many divorces, there's so much infidelity, there's so many meltdowns, it's just, it's bad. It's a bad situation and there's so many failures in relationships. If you want a relationship like all the other relationships, then I'm gonna reveal to you here the next part when you press the button. Change the slide to the next slide, please. If you want a relationship like all the other relationships, do what everyone else is doing. Go ahead and practice what everyone else is doing. You're gonna get the same result. You're gonna get the same statistical results as everyone else. What makes you think that you're different? Why can you practice things that everyone else is practicing and you think you're gonna have this awesome marriage? You think you're gonna have awesome kids? You think you're gonna have awesome relationships or you think you're gonna go to heaven, but do whatever you want. Next slide, please. But if you want a relationship different from all the other relationships, then you need to do something different. You need to do something different. Next slide, please. There we go. You need to do something different. Do something different. You cannot expect to have a different outcome unless you're willing to employ new and different methods. So in our college ministry, we're telling our college students this. We want you, here's our policy as a college ministry. We only want you to date people who are part of our college ministry. 
I'm, it's so exclusive, it's so narrow, it's so just tiny. We're, we're really like, I'm not saying that no one else is disciples. I'm not saying everyone else is going to hell. But what I'm saying is I don't really know their standards. So what we need to do is really help you by teaching you a biblical standpoint on marriage, which is you should only marry a disciple because that's what the Bible says. So what we want you to do is only date disciples. So first premise to our college Christians, date only disciples. We only want you to date disciples. The next premise is say no to solo. In other words, don't hang out alone together. Why? Because it's, you, you can really lead yourself down the wrong road. It's not wise. You, you could definitely fall into sexual sin, but also the way it looks to other people who see you hanging out alone together. It's just really not good. So we wanna encourage double dates. And so th these two little premise, premises are really huge in the eyes of every young man and every young woman. They just are like, this is so hard. This is so difficult. It's so hard to grasp. But what I try to tell them is, look, if you want a marriage that lasts, I'm telling you, you got to do something different. Don't try to practice what your culture is teaching you because this is so much different. It's so radical, but I'm really hoping the best for you. Yeah. And I wanted to share just a little bit as a, as a married woman. Um, one of the things that I shared before with you that I was afraid of, it was never being able to be faithful to Chris. So I'm like, there's no way I can't, you know, I, I've messed up so much. And that's in, in almost, it felt like ingrained in me. But um, as a married woman, I've had to be very hard line with different things that I do. For example, you know, everybody has Facebook, right? Um, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to befriend any old boyfriends. Because, of course, you know, in, in your, um, you're curious and, oh, I want to see, you know, their families and their children and, you know, and who they married and all that, right? And most of my boyfriends that I had before in El Salvador, so part of me was feeling like, well, I don't think it can be, you know, that bad. You know, I'm just going to see how they're doing and all that. But a couple of them started kind of wanting to chat with me, be like, hey, so, you know, how it's going? And I told them what I am about. But I cannot be naive, I can't. I can't afford it. I can't afford to let Satan get in there. Guess what? When he and I have, um, you know, an argument that we don't do that much, but no, I'm just kidding. A lot. So um, when we're not having the best of days, and if I get on my Facebook and have a message, let's say I had a message from one of my old boyfriends, in my nature, I start like, oh, so what about if I would have married him? How would my life be? And of course, at the end of the day, I know that I wouldn't have God, I wouldn't have the family that I have. But we as women, especially, have to be very, very careful because I know that I want that comfort and, oh, you know, you look so nice today or, oh, you know, um, what, you, what you did here or the way you are a mom or like all these things that if I'm not careful and I'm not strong in my relationship with God and we are not doing well, that can be a door where, where Satan can get in. And I, I really feel like, I'm, you know, I, be, I unfriended all the old boyfriends. Nobody told me, but I knew that it wasn't the best. You know, I knew it wasn't the, the wisest thing. All things are per, uh, permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to cut those. And um, also with, with um, my interactions with men, I'm a little weird just because I'm so sensitive to, I'm, a, I'm so, um, you know, afraid of messing up. I'm very, 
you know, cut dry. I never talked to guys on the phone. I just talked to a couple of, you know, very spiritual men that helped me in, you know, with Chris in our relationship. But I feel, sisters, that we have become very loose in, in the way that we protect our marriages. And Satan wants to destroy our marriages. He wants us to, you know, be divorced. He wants us, you know, our children to suffer that. He wants to destroy our families. And I, I feel like whatever it is for you that you have to implement, you know, whatever drastic measure you have to take, it's totally worth it because we need to protect what God has given us. And so I want to lead you and to show you this next scripture right here. I, I am definitely better today because of these principles. And can we go to the next slide? And here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it gives us some really practical advice of what to do. It says, the Hebrew author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. And what it talks about here is really how we need to cut off all the drag, all the resistance, okay? That means things that are hindering and things that are sin, okay? Sin, we need to stop doing it. We need to stop practicing it, stop living in it. But there's things that hinder as well that aren't necessarily considered sin. And I know I'm doing endurance training to do an Ironman that's like in four weeks. And I'm a swimmer, so I'm hypersensitive to the concept of what produces and creates drag, you know? And so... In other words, we need to reduce our weight and become more streamlined and efficient as possible in order to use less energy, and then your performance is going to be better. And so the Hebrew author says that throw off everything, every weight, everything that hinders you, and run with perseverance or endurance. We have to have endurance, and it takes, you know, resistance uh, um, physically to be able to finish the race. And so we want to get rid of all this drag and all this resistance that, re, that slows us down. So in the media culture, there's things like, we're just going to go through this list of things right here. Music and shows, movies, television, games, social network. Okay, so these are some of the things that, that can cause hindrances. Okay, you might be trying, you might have the conviction to practice doing what's right, but some of these things can contaminate you little by little. Just like when I drink water, I believe that heavy metals over time, it's really bad for you. It's going to lead to a shorter life. That's not good for you. It's going to cause health problems over time, drinking a little bit of contamination over time. And it's the same thing when we talk about media and our culture. We're, we're constantly being inundated with advertisements, with things. You could be going and looking for something so pure, so like there's, there's nothing wrong with what you're looking for. Something pops up in your search engine that talks about something crazy. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about these sexual fantasies and these fantasies really contaminate and ruin our culture. I mean, uh, our relationship. They really hurt us in our relationship when even we as married men are being contaminated little by little. So it's not just, this lesson is not just for single people considering marriage in the future. This is for married people to stay married. These are things that can contaminate us over time. But also in our relationships that we have. So can we go through the next list, please? And here in this next list, we talk about the relationships that we have. The relationships we have at work. The relationships that we have at work. The relationships that we have at school. The relationships we have in our community. And finally, the relationships we have here in church. You know, um, 
the relationships we have in all those other places, you might think they're not Christians or something like that. Like, you know, when I go to my kid's school, I, the, the relationships, I have to be very careful and guard my heart not to be contaminated by being in flirtatious relationships with other moms who are at my kid's school or other moms who are at my kid's swim team. This is real. This is, this is something that we go through as men. These are relationships at work. Maybe there's a, a lady at your work that she comes up and when, when she just touches your arm, it changes you. And you're like, whoa, I feel, and that's not something that you maybe wanna share with your wife or maybe not something that you're totally aware of. For me, like Vivi said, because I come from such a dark background, I am hypersensitive to this kind of stuff that if something affects me, I'm like, you know, Vivi, go ahead and try to touch me. I'm like, they're trying to... <laughs> get, it, get away. You know, I'm like hypersensitive to it. And so, and this happens in church too. We have a great community here where we give hugs and it's awesome. But I'm just gonna be honest, there's ladies who I avoid. I avoid, I wanna be loving, I wanna be like Jesus, but you know what, let's let someone else be loving to them. You know, because I'm like, you know, who, whoa, you know, they. It's confession time too, you know. And, and if, if, you know, out of the people who took you out of your faith, you know, just to take away from your, your sharing was, who, were these people inside the church or people outside of the church that hurt your faith the most? Inside. Inside the church. Well, These I heard their faith too. Yeah, yeah was, you heard their faith too. But, yeah. you know, the a takeaway from, from Vivi sharing is, is that like, and oftentimes it won't necessarily be someone outside the church that hurts you and that's contaminating your relationship with God, okay? Oftentimes it could be inside the church, okay? So I just wanna to, to be real and to be honest about that. So let's go to the next slide. In First Peter, it says, when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves, Together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverence includes. Okay, so I'm gonna stop before I go on here. First of all, I'm reading what's called the Amplified Version, which I don't really go to, okay? But if you're a guest here for the first time as a man, and if you're married, you should love the Bible because of this scripture. This is like awesome. Wait till you see what it says next. It's like epic. This is great, okay? This is almost like commentary, not necessarily directly, you know, what it said, but this is amazing. Look what this says in the next scripture. This is the way women are supposed to act towards their husbands. To respect, defer, to revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense, to adore him, that is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. I love the Bible. The Bible is awesome. <laughs> Babe, love the Bible. <laughs> yes. Even if you don't believe in the Bible yet, or you don't believe in the resurrection yet, you should love this scripture. This is awesome. Yeah, and, and again, I've been so convicted, you know, preparing for this lesson. Because in, in the usual versions, you know, it, it, it's just very short. So I think... As a woman, you can be like, okay, so what does it mean? And we don't really go in depth. But seeing this, I was like, wow, to honor, to revere him, to appreciate, um, to, in the human sense, to adore him, to admire, praise him, be devoted to, deeply love and enjoy your husband. And I want to be all these things. I really believe that all of us want to. But it is a, a very, very high calling. And I feel like as we grow in our relationship with God, 
you know, we can grow in this. And, and if God, you know, shared this with us, it's because we, he believes that we can become that. So that's the hope, that we can become that, sisters. Don't get discouraged. We can. And so the author goes on here, and what Peter is talking about here, he's talking about women who are married to men that don't believe in the gospel. They don't believe in the resurrection. So mind you, if, if you don't, like, believe in the Bible or you're not following Jesus yet, I want you to know this is talking about women. He's giving advice to women who are married to men, and this whole thing is about a woman's re relationship with her husband and how to interact in that setting. So let's go on and, and see what it goes on to say here. Now this is in the ESV. He says, Do not let your adorning be external the braiding of your hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. And so I wanna tell you, he's not, we're not anti-cultural here in the sense of we think that we shouldn't have nice clothes or that we need to live uncomfortable lives. And I don't think that's what Peter meant here either. If this wasn't a strict thing, what he's really giving us a comparison here, he's like, look, how much time, ladies, do you spend getting ready in the morning? Let's just be honest here. How much time do you guys spend getting ready? You spend time getting ready. How much time do guys spend getting ready? We're like. I got a jacket, let's go. I'm like, let's go. And so, you know, he's, he's really talking about a relationship between a man and a woman. And he's saying, look, you need to learn to honor your husband even if he's not a believer. Look, don't you spend a lot of time getting ready in the morning? And look what he goes on to say here. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So in order to win over your husband, you just need to have, you know, just show respect, be an awesome wife. Don't worry as much in the sense of thinking that your external beauty is what's gonna win him over as much as the inner person of the heart, which is a person of a gentle and quiet spirit. I love this scripture because, you know, for one of the biggest things that I want in my life is to be precious in God's sight, like the Bible says there. And in the Greek, the word gentle means humble. And the word quiet means rested. So I looked at this scripture and I was like, wow, okay, gentle, humble. Hmm. I, you know, I'm a pistol, little chili pepper. I know that this is something that I need to so much grow in. I try to, but everything in me is I'm feisty. And I want to say, you know, what I need to say. And when it comes to our relationship. No, baby, you're not those things. When, when, we, when we, you know, it comes to our relationship, I'm like, oh, he's saying something and everything in me is cringing because I'm like, ah, what to say, you know, what I'm thinking um, right now. And, and so this was, this was very convicting. I'm not super humble by nature. And quiet, rested, really rested. <laughs> I'm like, I can be the most anxious person when it comes to my children's health. If you want to know something that totally, like, makes me, you know, just go crazy is when they are sick. And there's other things, too, but I was like, wow, God. So that means that, you know, I want to be, God, you know, precious in your sight. I need to work more in being humble and being rested, trusting you. And I feel that as, as women, we, we forget these things, you know. And I know I am guilty. Sometimes I, okay, how many shirts? Did I look yesterday to see what I was gonna wear? I, don't <laughs> I was know. like, and you know, it's like I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, I don't like this. I'm like, who cares? They love me anyway. But I'm like, no, no, no. And, I'm like, and Chris is like, this morning he's like, where's my jacket? I'm like, seriously? 
And he's like, <laughs> and the, for the last five minutes, he's like, oh, I think I'm gonna wear that shirt. So I know I'm guilty of it. Like it's one of those things that we wanna focus so much on the outside, but I am so convicted. Convicted here says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty. You know what? This is gonna all, you know, get with moths and little holes and it's gonna be all old. But the beauty of my inner person is what God loves. And I really, I really see the importance, sisters, that we really need to be women that are humble and rested before our God. And let's go to the next scripture, and we're going to talk about some cultural women, but the, this is the gravitational pull. This is the old ways that we can go into, and so if I could just go through this list quickly. And sisters, don't try, don't sew me, please. This is just, yeah, this is really hard to read. I was last night, I'm like, honey, I'm going to get stoned after church. But, you know, cultural women. She doesn't women, mean smoke. She doesn't smoke weed. She's not talking about that. No, no. <laughs> like with rocks, like, he's surfer boy, he thinks other, Yeah. Okay, so do you want to do you want to just yeah. keep going? Can we run through these? So, brothers, just a little piece of very humbly advice: don't nudge your wife, don't look yeah. at her, don't just make look eye contact. Just straightforward, yeah. guys. Just sit there. Yes. Right now, it's not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you know, in 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 our uh, culture nowadays, what happens is that I. You know, the whole women power and, you know, let's do this and we want to be the same as men. And we, I think we're a little bit too far. Um, we have become culturally women that are loud, even vulgar, rude, overbearing, vain, rebellious, angry, mean, bossy, catty, disrespectful, ungrateful. And it is hard. Like, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm like, wow. Like. True, this is in our world, this is the reality, but we don't want to bring that to the church. We are the bride of Christ. We can't be that. And, you know, we need to fight in every way we can to be gentle, humble, quiet, rested women and not be like the world is. Because I don't know if for you, but for me, seeing it, you know, making it visual, it was so embarrassing. I know that I am a lot of those things many times. You know, when I, I'm not close to God, when I'm just, you know, um, in my relationship with Chris. So I really want to repent. And I'm telling you, this lesson, I'm like, wow, I need to like reread it, redo it, pray about it. Because it's been very, very convicting. But I feel that there's such a great need there's such a, a, drastic, a drastic, drastic things that we need to do because it's urgent. It's killing us as a people. And we really need to take this to heart. And so really there is a consequence for not understanding this concept that contamination kills, that we, we are going to be infected by the, the contamination that's going on around us. If you guys fail to understand this, I wanna tell you a story about someone who I just, in passing, was talking to another, father of some of the kids who swim with my kids, and, and he was sharing a story about how he was going to be at a funeral this weekend. And at this funeral, the guy was 25 years old who had died. He died because he committed suicide. He committed suicide because of a failed relationship. Mm. The failed relationship was his wife. 
and they had had a daughter together. And after having the daughter, the woman just continued to want to go out and party and go hard. And it ended up where they grew apart, and this guy ended up committing suicide. This is not different than the relationships that are going on in your community, in your school. You could be going to a funeral. We could be part of relationships that fail. Some of us in here have. So there's real, real consequences to this. But the hope comes from John 3.16 where God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God loved the world so much. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He didn't send his son to condemn the world. He sent his son to save it. He didn't send his son in the world so he could go, no, don't have fun. No, that's not what it's about. He has a hope for you. And there's a hope for you that you will have the right relationships that God so intended. So I really want to thank you guys for listening to our stories today. We hope that you, whether you're single in here, you're married in here, that we will have relationships that reflect this concept of purity. If purity is not something that had characterized your life, if you feel like there's been contamination in your life, I hope that you're moved in here today to leave here and do something different than what you've been doing before. If you're a Christian here today who's single or married and you've been struggling with this spiritual contamination, falling into these old ways and not practicing this virtue of purity, we want to encourage you guys to get help. Get help here. We're here to help you. We want to study the Bible with you. We want you to go and be open with someone else who's able to help you to get your, right, your life right. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then you guys will be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to pray and to uh, come before you, God. You're the author and creator of this universe. And Father, these concepts of purity and the concept that you've given us to live our lives this way, Father, we know that it's not from us. It's from you, God. And uh, the way that we would have lived otherwise would have led us down a dark path, God. And my life would be in a totally different place. I pray that the, those who are here today would really know what to do with what they've heard today, that they would be able to go out and really practice lives of purity and really cut the contamination out of their lives, the little things that are, that are really causing them to go away from you, to, to leave you, to leave their faith. Father, those who are here for the first time, I pray that they'll be influenced, God, to dig deeper into your word and to start following Jesus. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys are